Boy, it is busy. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. We've got just about everything we could possibly jam into a couple of hours. A raid before us here right now on the midday program from the Rural Radio Network. We're going to start off over here, I believe, uh, over in the soundproof booth to make sure that he doesn't know what we're talking about over here. Yeah, it's important that he doesn't hear what we're saying about him. So we like that show the wall. The exactly. He's hermetically sealed. That's right. <laughs> Okay. That's a lot better than cryogenically frozen. <laughs> That's a good point. Good point. Joe, what do you have in the ag headlines for us? Today? Well, at uh, 1213, we'll have ag news for you. White House announcing uh, yesterday that Argentina has agreed to accept U.S. pork products for the first time since 1992. Al Dutcher joins us at 1219. Of course, he's Nebraska's extension climatologist. He will talk about the upcoming weather this next week, including the eclipse. That's uh-huh. uh, We'll talk about that and what it should look like. And maybe a little bit of cloud cover in eastern parts of Nebraska. Wait, there's an eclipse? (laughs) Yes, Scott. I hadn't heard anything about that. For those of you that live under a rock... Uh, or we have an eclipse. Or been in the dark. Oh, <laughs> oh nicely done. <laughs> Look out. Bill Angel with us at 1245, Nebraska State Fair Livestock Superintendent, talks with a very excited Susan Littlefield for the State Fair coming up next week. Oh, She's yes. looking forward to that, as uh, all of us here are. We'll be live from the State Fair again uh, this year. And Jesse Harding uh, with her Fridays in the Field segment. She catches up with Deb Gangwish, relation of Shelton, looking at how their crops are coming along this season. You can catch all the videos, guys, throughout the season. Go to ruralradio.com for all of those. Really? Those those gangwishes are all related? <laughs> Weird. Well, some of them claim me, some of them don't. So it <laughs> depends on who you ask. Now, do they have Jesse cleaning out the bin in this episode? Of, you know, we should. Yeah. In the final idea. episode, we need to have <laughs> Jesse cleaning out their bins. I like that. I'd pay to watch that. <laughs> right. Or at least picking up some pipe. How about yeah. that? <laughs> Well, Jason, I guess recruits come and recruits go. They go. The Huskers lost one yesterday. They uh, seem to uh, flirt with receivers, highly touted receivers, and then they decide to move on, but that's the way it is. Yeah. That's why I'm going to get up on my soapbox here. Uh-oh. Here we go. Here it goes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. That's why I don't understand all of the people who put so much energy into following recruiting. I know it's very important, and that's where it all starts, but until these guys sign and get there to the respective schools, it doesn't mean a thing. It's no deal. So then you get everybody excited about these kids, Mm -hmm. and then they decommit, and then you go to message boards, and people are all upset about it, and it's like, no, this. You know, I mean, let's face it. Doesn't mean nothing. It's the first big decision they're, they're it making. It is. And, and That's right. Have, they commit. They decommit. They. they and then they operate. criticize the kids. And it's I don't get it. They say college students change their major eighty percent of the time. I believe. It. So it's the same thing. Yeah. So we'll talk some Husker football. Also, big series starts tonight at Kauffman Stadium. Maybe the Royals' last stand in the AL Central as uh, they will welcome in the Cleveland Indians. All right. Scott Foster on business. Socks a little bit lower today on early trading on this. Friday, industrial companies are slipping. Farm equipment maker John Deere reported lower than expected sales. So that's a, that's a bad thing. Foot Locker, yes, there is still Foot Locker, uh, plunged 25%. After a week quarter, they're going to close some stores down, obviously, yeah. there. And, and also, uh, they're... They're pumping the brakes a little bit on Steve Bannon's war with China. We'll talk a little bit about that. All right. All this and more coming up today on Midday.
Let's take a look at ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation and in for Paul Perkins, I'm Dirk Christensen. Sunny skies for the afternoon, 85s to 90s across the state of Nebraska with clear skies at a low of 55 to 63 expected in our overnight. Our Saturday looks mostly sunny with a chance of some afternoon thunder showers for the west, 85 to 95 degree highs, and that pretty much provides the template as we go forward uh, into uh, the next several days with chances of thunder showers developing for the evenings. The weekend highs should be in that 80, upper 80 to low 90 area. Then the temperatures do begin to come down a little bit by the time we get to the middle of next week. And again, chances of showers throughout, especially in those evening and overnight hours. Possible significant rain for the western rain, rather for the western Midwest, and limited moisture on the Canadian prairie crop areas are key weather items for commodity traders' attention today. The forecast calling for that series of upper atmosphere disturbances crossing the western Midwest over the course of the next week with moderate to locally heavy rainfall. A large portion of the state of Iowa is now included in the coverage area for those rain events. Moisture likely to be very closely tracked for possible benefit to filling soybeans. Rain also likely too late in the season for meaningful benefit to corn, however. The southern plains crop areas also with scattered showers. Over the limited week with the uh, seasonal to above normal temperatures, the combination expected to continue to move corn closer to maturity in the southern locales, along with maintaining progression at average to ahead-of-average rates in northern portions of the region. For the northern plains, generally dry conditions remain in effect. This pattern favors harvest of that ravaged spring wheat and will increase the risk to late filling row crops. Light to moderate rain over the next five days could offer some benefit to soybeans, however. The Canadian prairies crop areas have little or no rain forecast through the next week. That's a favorable weather pattern for weather pattern for harvesting the drought-reduced wheat crop and maturist, uh, maturing uh, canola, which is also likely to be affected by the late summer dry pattern, but not to quite the same extent as the wheat has been. Late filling crops will continue to be impacted by all of that dryness. Yield prospects for crop remain near to above normal over most of Ukraine and Russia. That due to above normal rainfall in the past 30 days for much of that region, a recent round of heat likely to have reduced crop yield potential in the northern Caucasus district of southern Russia. And conditions favor mostly good for filling corn and soybeans at this time for northeastern China due to recent generous rainfall. The forecast includes some chance for additional showers over the next week as well. Central Nebraska, sunny at highs of 88 today, 58 tonight, mostly sunny with highs of 90 on Saturday. Sunday, the upper 80s, and again, chances of showers at 40% for Saturday night and reoccurring again as we get into the next week. Ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation and for weather anytime. KRVN.com. Take a look at Ag News. I'm Joe Gangwish back with you on the Rural Radio Network. More opportunities coming to Nebraska livestock producers. More on that from Susan Littlefield. Governor Pete Ricketts and the Nebraska Department of Agriculture Director Greg Ibaugh issued statements following news that the Trump administration has reached an agreement with Argentina that opens another market for U.S. ag products. 
The president's deal to reopen Argentina for U.S. pork exports is good news, which will help grow agriculture and the pork industry in Nebraska, according to the governor. Greg Ibaugh said that this new opportunity for Nebraska producers provides access to new consumers for the high-quality pork raised in Nebraska. Other countries in Central and South America have already shown strong demand, and this can only enhance the sales in the region. The opening of the pork market, such as Argentina, also helps the industry provide additional customers for the product. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Well, that announcement came after a meeting between U.S. Vice President Mike Pence and Argentine President Mauricio Macri earlier this week. It's a small prospective market at the moment, but Argentina has had a de facto ban on U.S. pork products for 25 years because of unscientific mitigation requirements and other sanitary issues that are not based on science, as the National Pork Producers Council put in a recent publication. NPPC had hoped since Macri was elected in late 2015 that his pro-trade stance would open the door to U.S. pork. Argentina has a population of 41 million and higher per capita income than Mexico. Under terms of the agreement, all fresh, chilled, and frozen pork products from the U.S. will be eligible for export. The White House stated the agreement opens up a potential $10 million a year market to that country. The federal government has extended the public comment period on waters of the U.S. or WOTUS rule that would revert the definition of navigable waters to the pre-2015 regulation. EPA and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers making that announcement in a statement on the EPA website yesterday, providing an additional 30 days to receive comments. The deadline has been extended now to September 27th. The proposed interim rule came about as a result of President Trump's February 28th of 2017 executive order calling for a review of the WOTUS rule. That would be the subject of many lawsuits. The Supreme Court is slated to consider a legal challenge regarding which court is the proper venue to consider those cases. Agriculture, other industry groups, and state governments across the country allege that the Obama administrator's WOTUS rule that expanded federal jurisdiction to waters not traditionally protected by the Clean Water Act. Steaks sold at grocery stores in Canada could be labeled sustainable beef as early as next year as the Canadian beef industry comes to grips with consumer demands to know where their food comes from and how it's grown. The industry has also come under pressure by campaigns pressuring consumers to eat less beef due to environmental and animal welfare concerns, according to the Calgary Sun publication. But Alberta producers believe a new sustainable beef program can help them fend off those criticisms. While sustainability is a buzzword that lacks meaning, according to one Beef Industry Association member, uh, the association, backed by environmental groups, packers, producers, and retailers, has been defining the rules that the industry must meet to source sustainable beef. The Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Beef expects to finalize those rules by the end of the year, making way for an audit program to track beef cattle from the farm to the slaughterhouse. And Missouri regulation, uh, regulators again blocking the Grain Belt Express. It's a proposed transmission line for wind energy between Kansas and Indiana. Check more ag news at ruralradio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Let's get our weekly update on the weather with Nebraska Extension climatologist Al Dutcher from the University of Nebraska in Lincoln. So, Al, I guess the first thing on a lot of people's minds is Monday and the eclipse. What do you think? 
Well, it's going to be a tight call for eastern Nebraska, unfortunately, with the system that is expected to move through on Sunday and develop thunderstorm activity as we get into the afternoon hours through evening hours across eastern Nebraska. The question is, uh, when will that precipitation end and how much of a cloud debris field will we have as we go into Monday morning? The good news is is that the models are starting to back off a little bit on the heavy cloud cover that they've shown for the eastern one-third of the state over the last three model run days. And so right at this point, if we look at just the GFS cloud cover output, really the area of hot concentrated cloud cover appears it'll be in that region of extreme northeastern Nebraska and potentially as far southward as maybe the Omaha region and then westward about two counties. Farther to the west, it looks like uh, we've had at least several consecutive day runs now of cloud cover below 30% showing for most of the panhandle and sections of west central Nebraska. And the good news is in this morning's run, they've extended that clearing area farther eastward along the I-80 corridor and into south central Nebraska. That's a little bit of a difference from yesterday. So I think the major uncertainty is really going to be across extreme eastern Nebraska, less so in western Nebraska. And really, the farther west you go, the more likely you are to be away from that cloud cover, particularly when you consider that the system is expected to generate precipitation in the eastern half of the state with a northwest flow aloft and completely miss most of western Nebraska. So we shouldn't have the cloud covered debris. So keep your fingers crossed. Maybe we can get the system to generate just a little bit quicker uh, as we go through the day Sunday and get it out of here much earlier than initially forecast. The other fly in the ointment is, of course, a cold front is expected during the late afternoon hours to the evening hours to push through the state from the northwest. So that would be one of the reasons why we may actually see some increasing cloud cover and hold that cloud cover in the northeastern Nebraska. So if that front comes a little quicker, unfortunately, it's going to bring clouds with it much sooner than the models anticipated. So at this point in time, it looks like in a good portion of the area that is expecting totality, we should at least be able to see the eclipse, although we may have to dodge an occasional cloud. Viewing should be much better than it will be in extreme eastern Nebraska, and the hope is, of course, the system pushes out much quicker than normal. How about uh, wrapping up irrigation season and some of those dry land producers out there that might need another shot of rain? Well, the good news is the models are fairly aggressive with precipitation, at least across the dry land areas of the state. Uh, The first precipitation expected uh, as we go into Sunday, it looks like we'll have a fairly decent day uh, tomorrow. We are expecting precip today, but then uh, over this overnight hours, and then fairly calm conditions tomorrow. Sunday, of course, the precip with a wave moving out uh, from the southwesterly flow, a very weak wave, but it has the ability to generate thunderstorm activity. That starts to push eastward Monday morning, and then we'll have a little brief respite before yet that cold front comes through Monday night into Tuesday, generating thunderstorm activity across the eastern part of the state once again. And Dutcher went on to say the precipitation reloads into late next week, so the next seven days will continue to bring rain chances across Nebraska. Nebraska Extension Climatologist Al Dutcher here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Joe Gangwish. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports. Let's bring in Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, the Huskers continue to work out as the third week of fall camp continues. 
Yesterday, they spent some time scrimmaging, and offensive coordinator Danny Langsdorf breaks down what he saw from his quarterbacks. Something good, something bad. Um, I thought a really good first and ten. I thought we hit some runs, and I thought they made some plays throwing the ball. Um, you know, we had some tough third downs, so we, you know, we're, we're making it hard trying to get some conversions, get us into the red zone, but it's uh, it's pretty good work really all around. Now the Huskers worked out again this morning. Another Nebraska football news yesterday, wide receiver recruit Manny Allen decommitted from the Huskers. He now says he will sign with Louisville. Paxton Lynch is getting his chance to seize the starting quarterback job for the Broncos. He's gotten the bulk of the work with the first team offense this week and will start the exhibition game against 49ers tomorrow night. The Broncos are looking for Lynch or last year's starter Trevor Simeon to emerge as a front runner in that competition. Chiefs are also in action tomorrow night. They'll be on the road at Cincinnati. Ohio University will allow beer sales during football games starting this season. The Columbus Dispatch reports school officials announced the new policy this week. Officials say the decision comes after feedback from customer surveys. Now, beer won't be sold on the student side of the stadium, but that won't stop students from taking beer to their seats. Beer has been sold the previous three seasons in areas exclusive to university donors. The school had an alcohol-free zone for its fans. Now, Ohio's five other Mid-American Conference schools, they sell beer during football games. Ohio State raised $1.1 million in revenue after it started selling beer throughout Ohio Stadium last season. In baseball, Cleveland looks to bounce back after a 4-2 loss to Minnesota in the second game of their doubleheader last night. That snapped their six-game winning streak. The AL Central Division-leading Indians open up a series at Kansas City tonight with Corey Kluber going up against the Royals' Ian Kennedy. And Major League Baseball is having conversations with the Players Association over possible rule changes designed to speed up the pace of play. The average time of a nine-inning game is a record three hours, five minutes a season. That's up from three hours last year and 2.56 in 2015. And Rocky slugger Nolan Arenado left last night's game against the Braves with an apparent injury to his left hand. X-rays came back negative. The all-star third baseman held his hand in pain after trying to feel the sharp grounder in the seventh inning. The ball appeared to hit the same spot where he was hit by a fastball earlier in the week. That is the look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. In the News Center, this is Brandon Bennett's. Authorities have launched a criminal investigation into a natural gas explosion in Lincoln that seriously injured two people, leveling a house, and significantly damaging nearly 20 other homes. The Lincoln Journal-Star reports that police are focusing on the home where authorities believe the explosion occurred on Monday. The Lincoln police chief says investigators have obtained a search warrant and are conducting interviews, while investigators are also evaluating financial and cell phone records, as well as sending evidence off for forensic testing. Witnesses say homeowners were thrown out of the house during the explosion, and police said yesterday that both are hospitalized in medically induced comas. And authorities say the solar eclipse sweeping across Nebraska won't stop routine business within state agencies. The Nebraska Department of Administrative Services says departments will remain open during their regular hours on Monday when the moon's eclipse shadow is expected to pass through the state. The department says employees who want to view the eclipse outdoors can use vacation leave, earn compensatory time, or flex their work and lunch schedules. Well, the University of Nebraska Kearney's annual Blue Gold Welcome Week kicks off today 
Blue Gold Welcome Week is actually a two-week event which is designed to help students become familiar with the UNK campus before classes begin on Monday. It also gives the Kearney area community a chance to interact with students, faculty, and staff, as well as alumni, through a variety of different activities. Mackenzie Suba, the Blue and Gold Coordinator at UNK, talks about the importance of Blue Gold Welcome Week from a student's perspective. Blue Gold is really a time to, a lot of times you're coming in as a freshman and you're nervous, you might be anxious, you might be kind of scared because it's all brand new. Um, and it's just, just that atmosphere creating it so that they know that it's like this is a great place to be. Kearney Community is wonderful as well as the UNK campus is wonderful. North Platte native Brett Enns, who's the assistant director for the first year program, says that Blue Gold Welcome Week is a chance for students to establish a sense of belonging and Loper pride while also learning about the academic and social expectations of college life. Students are moving in as we speak. The Blue Gold Community Showcase, which is the annual welcome festival where more than 200 businesses and campus organizations set up booths, is this afternoon from 5 to 8 p.m. The showcase also includes a free picnic hosted by Chancellor Doug Christensen from 5.30 to 7 p.m. on the campus greens, and it's open to the entire community. And authorities say two people have died after an Amtrak train struck their car at a Southwest Lincoln Railroad grade crossing. Lincoln Television Station KOLN reports that the crash happened around 12.30 a.m. earlier this morning. Two unidentified males who were in the car have died. Lincoln police say that nearly 300 people were on the train during the crash. However, no injuries were reported among the people on board. Get your news fast and first when you like our Facebook page. In the KRVN News Center, this is Brandon Bennett. Many, it's like a kid in a candy store. It is less than a week away to the start of the Nebraska State Fair. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Okay, I'll admit, I'm one of those kids in the candy store counting down the days till we get to be there, not only as a radio station, but as an exhibitor. And speaking of exhibitors... Yeah, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes before the State Fair even gets here. I caught up with Bill Angel, who is the Livestock Superintendent at the Nebraska State Fair, about this jigsaw puzzle that they literally put together so every animal has a place in the barn. And, and you know, this will be our, our eighth fair here at the facility, so it's it gets easier every year. Uh, but, you know, let, let's take the sheep barn, for example. The first weekend... Uh, we, we have open sheep in there, but we also have draft horses in there. Uh, we have poultry in there. Uh, and then once the draft horses leave, uh, then we, we add more pens so that we can accommodate the, all of 4-H sheep and goats uh, that come in the second weekend. And, uh, and then, of course, we continue with poultry and rabbits uh, for the 4-H, you know, the second weekend. But... Um, and then in the cattle barn, you know, we uh, the first weekend we have draft horses, we have dairy cattle, uh, and then we'll switch over to, to all beef cattle. Um, the swine barn, uh, we have a little bit different turnover there because the first week, uh, first weekend, we have llamas, alpacas, dairy goats, and boar goats. Uh, so we don't even have any swine in there except our avenue breeds. And uh, then we switch it over, and, and then all swine after that. So, it's yeah, it's it's a big, uh, big jigsaw puzzle, and and lots of pieces to to put together and change over, and and uh, so that it's ready for each species when they come in. Talk about Avenue of Breeds. That is a very popular 
thing that you guys have done to continue to educate the public. Right. We, we have an avenue of breeds uh, in our swine barn uh, where we will have about 10 different breeds of hogs. Uh, we put up a, uh, a sign uh, with each breed that talks a little bit about the breed and where they originate from and, and what role they play in the, in the meat industry. Uh, we have the same thing in the, in the cattle barn, in the beef cattle barn. Uh, we'll have about 14 to 15 different breeds uh, of cattle represented there. Uh, we have a, uh, in our dairy uh, area, uh, we go ahead and, and uh, uh, we'll have several breeds represented there. And then in our sheep barn, uh, we'll have several breeds of sheep that are that are on display. And and so we we continually uh, that's one of our, the parts of our mission is to educate the people on on our industry and and uh, the different facets of it. Is there um, uh, fear is not the right word to use, but is there a concern that you guys might grow beyond what those walls can handle, and you'll have to move and uh, actually expand in some ways, or is that already being talked about? Um, we're not. I mean, you always you always hope that you outgrow what you've got. Um, we are probably at capacity with in our beef cattle barn. Um, there there has been talk to build a small animal barn to accommodate the the, the poultry, the rabbits, the dogs uh, that, that for the dog shows that we have. Uh, but those are those are plans down the road. Um, we, I mean, we <laughs> particularly the second weekend when 4-H and FFA are here, uh, we are at capacity in in all the barns. I mean, we'll we'll have eight to nine hundred hogs in the barn. Uh, we'll have close to a thousand head of cattle, beef cattle. Um, we'll have oh, seven eight hundred sheep and and several goats, uh, several hundred goats. So we're, we're, we're pushing the limits of what we have, but there's really not much place to expand, uh, you know, building-wise uh, as of now. So That's a good thing, though, that it's you guys had that. Thing. You know, people yep. see and say that there's a, a drop in agriculture, but you definitely don't see it during fair time. We don't see it here, or haven't yet. You, you know, that, that day may come, but... Uh, we're not there yet, and, and we kind of, last year we saw an increase in numbers of entries again, so, uh, but we're, we're getting close to where <laughs> we're going to have to start sticking them in corners, you know, if we keep going, so. So what's new for this year's fair from a, from a livestock perspective? Anything that you guys are going to be adding? I mean, obviously some, some larger show numbers is, is always the goal. Right. Uh, we don't have any new uh, shows planned this year. You know, we have our draft horse shows again. Uh, they're always fun for the, the public. Um, our beef cattle shows are, are going to be big this year. And uh, so uh, pretty much the same from that standpoint. And, of course, out on the other end, and we haven't talked about that, but uh, in our horse uh, equine area, uh, you know, last year we built a new outdoor uh, arena. Conversation with Bill Angel as he encourages everybody to check out all aspects and all corners of the Nebraska State Fair. Gets underway a week from today. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
Let's get our closing livestock futures commentary with our friend Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe, just an interesting week. Lots of pressure all throughout the week. Yeah, it wasn't a very good week for uh, for livestock because uh, we finished lower for the week in uh, cattle, feeders, and hogs. And hogs probably uh, took it the worst. Uh, if you look at a weekly chart, only the fact that... Uh, the August contract uh, expired on Monday, so uh, that put the October was already a deep discount into a deeper discount, and uh, really uh, made the charts look uh, pretty pretty uh, sad. But uh, all in all, uh, just a, a bad week, and it didn't uh, change much today. Now we did finish mixed in the, the uh, cattle and the feeders, but it was. Uh, lower in the front end and higher in the back end, which is not necessarily a good sign because that's bear spreading and that uh, means that uh, people are uh, concerned about uh, the nearby contracts. Uh, uh, There wasn't very good uh, news around. Uh, Once again, at noon on the cattle, the uh, cutouts were lower and uh, really haven't heard of any uh, further trading uh, taking place. And what has taken place has been a lot weaker this week than uh, the previous week, so uh, not good. Same thing for the hogs, basically. Uh, lower in the front, lower in the front end, uh, but uh, it took till you go back to the June contract of next year to get a higher price finish. But it, that also uh, exemplifying the same uh, attitude toward the hogs. Uh, cash week. Uh, cutouts were up today at noon, but uh, it wasn't enough to bring the market back. This is the Rural Radio Network. Time again for Fridays in the Field for the Rural Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. With me is Deb Gangwish, co-owner of PG Farms in the Diamond G, located in Shelton, Nebraska, also having a farming operation up in Springview. Deb, why don't you give us an update since the last time we talked? We've had some pretty crazy weather here. Gosh, I cannot believe it. We go from hot to chilly to, yeah, just kind of all over the place. I guess before I say anything, I just um, want to send out a heartfelt message uh, to all the folks up up north because we were hit back in 2014, July 9th, and I still remember the smells. I still remember the sight of just losing everything that we had worked for. So, you know, guys and gals and farmers and ranchers, um, our hearts are with you and our prayers are going to stay with you through this entire time. So, with that being said, we have had um, uh, pretty decent five weeks. Um, the rains have been good for us. The pivots, um, we've been able to pretty much shut them down. This week alone, we got three inches, um, and that was both farms, about three inches up north across the fields, about three inches down here. The cooler weather has been a little bit good for us. It kind of helped the plants slow down a little, and uh, we're hoping for that warm-up. Um, it be really good to... You know, to finish up the crops with that heat and uh, decrease those drying costs and just help harvest uh, be a little more efficient. So um, it's been a, it's been a ride. When we talk about the farm up north, that's a little bit newer to the operation as a whole. Can you tell us a little on why add an operation like that and how it works for you guys here at the farm? Why have an operation like that? Well, one of the reasons when we were looking at um, expanding and diversifying uh, we uh, we thought about that geographical diversification just for the very reason we, we have been hit incredibly hard with, with storms. Virtually every year there's been some loss uh, except for maybe the past couple. 
So uh, we had this opportunity. We chomped on it. Uh, maybe a little crazy, but <laughs> so far so good. It has um, it has been a tremendous amount of work, but um, we've got an incredible crew of people up there, and it's really added a whole new dimension to our farm down here, having the ranch uh, with the feedlot. Uh, our our uh, backgrounding lot that's all natural as well as commercial cattle. Um, we've got a small cow herd up there started, and then we also rent pasture out. And then crop-wise, uh, corn, soybeans, I've mentioned hay, oats, um, we're able to provide a lot of our own feed, and uh, feedlots up there, there's high demand for corn. And we've got on-site storage, so that, that helps. It was just a, a good fit for us, and uh, we've actually had two guys from our farm move to Springview. So uh, the guys love it up there, and, and we do too. It's, and if you look around, there's a lot of farmers kind of looking at that option of going on the road. It's not as crazy as what people might think. And with the trucking, that was also a piece. We haul equipment for John Deere, and our guys know how to haul equipment. It comes naturally for them, and so it makes it really uh, good for that uh, machinery utilization, you know, that asset utilization. We're getting the most out of our equipment that we possibly can. So for us, it's a decent fit, but it's, it's uh, still a risk, and we know that. We've been talking with Deb Gangwa. She's co-owner of PG Farms in the Diamond G, located in Shelton, Nebraska, also an operation up near Springview, Nebraska, discussing how things are going for them. I'm Jesse Harding here on the Rural Radio Network. Has been another update of Fridays in the Field. Here on the Rural Radio Network, let's get our closing grain market analysis. I'm Joe Gangwish. John Payne is with us on the phone, senior marketing analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. He also publishes the newsletter this week in grain. So sum up the week for us, John. Well, I guess you're looking for a rosy uh, side of it. We got a nice close in Minneapolis wheat. That was the one sole market uh, that had some positive price action. Uh, we've been pretty well spread between Kansas City and uh, Kansas City wheat, or Minneapolis wheat. Two fifty, two dollars and fifty cents has kind of been the ceiling as far as the difference between those contracts. Really going back ten years, uh, even to the last rally we saw in 2012. Uh, so. That puts, I guess, if you believe that we've, we're printing lows or we're in a low bottom mode here in, uh, in the Minneapolis, that we would be as well in the Kansas City. Still feels like maybe we're going to run on down and test those four dollar levels in the wheat, um, but I, I might look to, to start to approach some new buying um, if December would say trade around four thirty. Before then, though, I think you want to be patient. Still a lot of uh, risk going into this first notice day for the wheat markets. And be patient for next week because we'll have some more data input, won't we? Absolutely. So next week, crop progress reports will be important as well as the uh, the Pro Farmer Tour, Farm Journal Tour, whatever they're calling it nowadays. Um, I do caution folks, don't get too tied up into that stuff. I mean, it certainly could affect money flow, but if the market would rally on anything, I, I think it's an opportunity to sell uh, in the shorter run. Uh, I'm still not confident we've scored lows, uh, although I wouldn't be putting on bearish positions here in corn. Um, unless it's deferred. I look at that December 18 contract around $4, and that, you know, without a lot of weather premium, it's going to inspire some acreage next year and still feels like we might uh, maybe a decent place to hedge in the shorter run. Soybeans uh, had some nice support the last couple of days. What are the chances of a rally? Oh, I don't know. Maybe 960 is in the cards. It's really not that far away. Nine, 
twenty cents you can't can't discount much. To get beyond that, we're probably going to need some see some evidence of crop failure, and that would be uh, you know what next week's tour might be about. It's still pretty early though. I mean, August eighteenth is not uh, the end all be all for the for the soybean markets. I know with corn, you know, through pollination here, a lot of stuff is more set in stone, but uh, bean pod setting still taking place, and I think there's some opportunity here for uh, for weather to play a role. Um, Illinois is probably a little more concerning at this point than it was a week ago, whereas Iowa a week ago uh, was concerning, and now they've alleviated some of those concerns with rain. Um, so, again, I, I think shorter term here, we look to make seasonal lows sometime in the next 30 days. Uh, to think it was just printed today, I don't know. I'm a little little uh, pessimistic, I think, in the shorter run than that. All right. If you'd like to talk grains with John Payne with Daniel's Ag Services, you can give him a phone call and uh, go get the contact information. Of course, DanielsAgMarketing.com. Sign up for his newsletter, This Week in Grain. That's our closing grain market analysis here on the Rural Radio Network.